Everyone got that scripture, Mark chapter 2, verse 1, so that's nice and easy. I want to ask you a question today. I want to ask you this question. Out of 10, how persistent are you as a person? Would you say that you're a really persistent person? Or would you say maybe sometimes? I know I asked myself the same question. And the second question that I asked myself was, well, I'm persistent in some areas and maybe not as persistent in other areas. So I began to ask myself the question, what areas am I persistent in? Because who knows in life that there's certain areas that maybe it's necessary to be persistent in. To, to maybe if you're a dad here, to be a strong, um, loving dad. That's a great area to be persistent in. Maybe in your workplace, to be diligent with your work. Who knows that's persistent? Maybe to eat lots of donuts. Maybe that's not an area where you really need to be persistent. <laughs> or maybe you're easily persistent in that area. And, uh, but you know, what areas of your life would you say that you're greatly persistent in? What areas of your life would you say you feel that you can improve on? Um, maybe just in the last weeks, God's been doing in your work in your life and you feel that there's a, a persistency in certain areas growing. Another question I started to ask myself was, who do I know? Which people inspire me when it comes to persistence in certain areas or facets of their life? It's a good question. I know in sports, there's certain people that I would say have been very persistent. Um, I know in faith life, in church life, there's been people, and I've heard their stories, who have overcome extraordinarily challenging circumstances in their life and risen above and been persistent when it came to their faith and God's faithfulness um, in their life. Uh, I know when it comes to art, who knows that art, sometimes you've got to be a little bit persistent. Sometimes you do one canvas and it's horrible. <laughs> so you do a second one. Who's thankful for people like Thomas Edison? Who knows that our venue would have probably a few more windows if it wasn't for his level of persistence. But I believe that today as believers, as people who are connected to God, God is desiring that we would be persistent people. That when the tough, tough times come, we don't give up, we don't cave in, but there's a level of strength and tenacity and backbone that we carry as people, that we can be an inspiration to those people who are around us. And so this morning, I want to preach a message entitled, The Value of Being Persistent. The Value of Being Persistent. This month in our church, we're talking about the foundations of our faith. And uh, who knows that if you want to build a tall building... I grew up on the Gold Coast. If you want a skyscraper, who knows that the foundations need to go deep? Is that right? It seems to be the taller you want the building, the deeper the foundations need to go. Um, if you want a building that's, say, can stand the cans weather, the cyclones, who knows that there's certain things that you need to do, the infrastructure and the foundations to make sure that when the cyclone comes, the building stays standing. Right? And so with our lives... Obviously, if we want to have strong, influential lives in which we rise, then it's imperative that we have strong foundations. And I trust that over this month, that maybe we'll look at our foundations again, that we just go, God, I'm going to keep that foundation strong in my life. I'm not going to waver that it would be a, a consistent reminder, this is important, this is who I am, this is who my God is, this is where I'm going, and I won't relent. It's very, very important. Maybe today you're here for the first time, and it's so, so cool to have you here, really. It's so, so good. And maybe today you can learn about some of the foundations that I know have blessed so many of our lives. 
and I trust would bless your life today as well and help you to be everything that God has called you to be. One of the things I love about God is that He is organized. He's an organized person. And uh, God, if you read into the Bible, God's not the author of confusion. He's got incredible clarity. And so when we decide to open up our lives to God, I believe that God can lead us into a life of incredible purpose and strategic vision, that we're not people who are confused or aimless, but we know clearly where we're going and who we're called to be. And I don't know about you, but when I meet those sort of people, they are like a breath of fresh air in my life that I go, whoa, you got some vision and it's big and it's huge. Who knows God hasn't called us to be small people, to be timid people, to be uh, afraid people. The Bible says that he wants a boldness in us that's as bold as a lion. I think three people got that. He wants a boldness that's in us that's as bold as a lion. He, He wants us to have the skin of a rhino, but the heart of a lion. You know, the strength about our lives. And I loved having Pastor Alan here last week because there's just a, as a seven-year-old, I love it, inspires me. There's just a a oomph about who he is. I wouldn't want to fight Pastor Alan, let me put it that way. (laughs) But I want to be like that when I'm 70 years old. I want to have strength and vision and clarity and feel like, you know, when all hell comes and pushes against me, that I know how to stand and be everything that God has called me to be. And before I preach this message, I realize that I'm fairly young, and there's people here that have been persistent through way more than I have. And today, I just want to honor you and thank you for being here and being an overcomer. It's really, really cool. So, and uh, maybe more than anything, I can learn from your life. But we're going to read this story from Mark, and I love the Bible because the Bible is full of persistent people. It's, It's full of people who had reasons to give up, reasons to throw in the towel, Reasons at times to have a poor attitude, but they just kept going. I love this. The word persistent, before we read this scripture, it says this. It means continuing in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Continuing firmly in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. I believe anything worth keeping and attaining in our lives will require persistence. Anything worth keeping and attaining will require persistence. Who knows eating donuts and getting fat comes easy, right? But I can imagine building a strong, healthy marriage requires a bit of persistence. Anything worth keeping and attaining requires persistence. And in Mark chapter 2, we're going to read. And I love Mark. I love the book of Mark because it's so much fun. The thing I love about Mark, the gospel of Mark, is that Mark is a direct person. I mean, he's someone that's to the point. You've got Matthew. He starts off the gospel with the genealogy of, you know, the family members and all of those sort of things. You've got Luke. He's quite detailed. He's into health and so forth. You've got John, John who's just the arty guy. You know, he starts his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And You know, it's, it's so artistic. But Mark, he's like, I picture Mark like the tradesman. He skips baby Jesus and just gets straight to full-blown adult Jesus. And uh, so if you're a tradesman here today, you'll love the book of Mark. And uh, it starts off, and it starts the book of Mark in, in chapter one, seeing Jesus do amazing miracles in people's life. It talks about this guy who's a leper. He has a, a life-limiting um, condition that stops him from living life to the fullest. And he meets Jesus, and Jesus radically heals him. Who believes that even today in 2019, Jesus still is a healer? 
Come on, He can still heal people today. And I want to encourage you, maybe you've come with a blood condition, maybe you've come with an issue with your kidneys, a knee challenge, a skin condition. Come on, eye challenges, headaches. Come on, I believe today that Jesus is here and we're going to believe at the end of the service for miracles to take place. And maybe you could walk out of this place changed. Changed on the inside. You know, the thing I love about Jesus is that He changes uh, the outside, you know, the physical things, but I love also the fact that Jesus can change our insides. The Bible says that He is the healer of the brokenhearted. And so Jesus is going about life and, and, and seeing radical miracles. There's, there's nothing safe, there's nothing beige, there's nothing boring about Jesus at all. And in Mark chapter 2, it talks uh, about a passage, a historical account where Jesus comes into the city called Capernaum. Now, Capernaum's a fishing city. And if you look into the name about Capernaum, basically it means that it's a place where there's lots of stuff everywhere. So I can imagine these fishermen have established this city and there's boats over here and fishing nets over here. There's stuff everywhere. And Jesus comes into this city. And the reputation of Jesus coming has gone out before the people. And so Jesus comes into this particular home. And the Bible talks about how in this house, the place is packed. So let's read. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. Not even near the door. So if you can imagine there's people like near the door, outside the door, listening in the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to hear him, bringing a, para- then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, so that when he had broken through, they let the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting, and they reasoned in their hearts, Why does this man speak blaspheme blaspheme like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, they reasoned thus, this, thus within themselves. He said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easy to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you. Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went out into the presence of them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, I love this line, we never saw anything like this. We've never saw anything like this. This is crazy. And I love this picture because it shows of four persistent blokes who wanted to bring their mate to Jesus. And Jesus has entered the town and the place is packed. It's filled with people. There's no way in. And it would have been so easy to say, oh, we'll, we'll come another day. We'll do it another time. We'll, we'll find another opportunity. Maybe Jesus will come back. But don't you love the persistence, the decision of these men to stay on course, that even though everything said that they shouldn't, they decided to climb on the roof. <laughs> and they broke through the roof. You know, if you read into this, some people believe that this place, this house was actually one of the house houses of one of the disciples. 
So you can imagine for a moment if this was your house, if we'd come over to Jemima's place, Jesus had come to Jemima's place, and all of a sudden the place was packed. There was people sitting on the kitchen. There was people in the bathroom. There was people in the living room. There was people on the walls. There was people sitting on the floor. And we're all hearing Jesus speak, and everyone's going, this is amazing. Then all of a sudden the roof, you know, the, they had palm leaves and thatch, and all of a sudden stuff begins to fall down. I can imagine it was quite strong because it kept the rain out, right? And all of a sudden, someone's breaking through. But not only does there, you've got to think about this for a second. It's a hole so big that a stretcher can fit through with a guy who can't walk. So you can't lower it like, because the guy's going to fall off. You've got to keep it flat. And so you can imagine the hole would be digging for a while. I can imagine Jemima's sitting under there and all the branches are falling on her head. <laughs> all, all the stuff's going on with my roof? <laughs> and they create this hole, and all of a sudden, this guy is lowered down. And Jesus sees their faith, and he goes, I like this. This is cool. This is, ex- this is what I'm all about. And uh, they lower this guy down. And I love this, because the first thing that Jesus says to him is, son, your sins are forgiven you. Son, your sins are forgiven you. And it just stirred me that, you know, I don't know this gentleman's story. But maybe the reason that he was in this circumstance was because he'd done something really dumb. I mean, maybe he was out working with his dad and he didn't listen to his dad. And he got really hurt. And all this time he's thinking, if I only would have listened to my dad. Maybe he was out with the boys at a party, decided to show off, and somehow really injured himself. Maybe he was at, not that I don't know if they have rock pools in the Middle East, but maybe he was near an ocean doing a backflip off a rock. And his dad said, don't try and show off in front of your friends, son. He thought, I know better than you, dad. And I love this because he comes and speaks right at this moment. And he says, you know, let's just pause on the healing thing. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. If you look into this particular time and particular time in history in this culture, one of the things that sometimes people believed is that the reason people were born sick or born unwell because it was because of the sin in a family. And so for, this, for Jesus to turn around and say, your sins are forgiven you, I can imagine before the whole getting out of the bed thing, that would have just been a relief to him. You know, one of the things I love about God is that when even sometimes things can happen in our life that are our fault, God still wants to do a work in our world. You know, when you think about maybe the person who's been a, uh, a very... Um, passionate smoker their whole life. Maybe they smoked their whole life and they get lung cancer. You know, most, most people who would be in that position would say, well, I've got lung cancer. Maybe it's my fault because I've been smoking my whole life. And maybe they come to a church service like this and we say, we just believe that God wants to heal you. And they'd sit there and go like, no, no, you don't understand. This is my fault. I, I deserve this. It's because of what I did. But I love Jesus's heart that he's saying, you know what, even though maybe it's your fault, what, whatever the reason, I still want to forgive you. I still want to do a work in your heart. I still want to minister to you in a powerful way. And so I can imagine maybe the guilt, maybe the shame of this gentleman's family. You know, maybe something happened to his grandfather and maybe he felt he was this way as a result. But all of a sudden, right there in that moment, all of that goes. And I want to encourage every single person who's standing in this room, come on, no matter what you've done and the guilt and the shame that you're carrying, Jesus wants to set you free today. Jesus wants to forgive you. Jesus wants to give you a brand new start. Jesus wants to move in your life. The Bible says that what he wants to do with us is he wants to cause us to be born again. Born again, a whole new life. 
a whole new start. And that's not a beige, boring, outdated, religious, long sock, Bible-carrying, weird person. That's a person who has the bigness and the creativity of God around them, who's there's a freshness and a creativity and a hope about their life. Yes, they'll read the Bible. But I want to encourage you today, God wants to do something not only on the exterior of you, but on the interior. I love, the thing I love about God is that He loves to change us from the inside out. Some people think that Christianity is all about rules and the way you act. But Christianity is all about getting the heart of God and letting Him transform you on the inside, so much so that your actions just become natural on the outside because you know the goodness of God. You know, I love Pastor Alan. At, we were, had the, the meeting, the meetings this week, and he was just talking about his journey. I think he'd be okay with me sharing this, but he said one of the things that he battled with was alcoholism, that, that his natural go-to was just, you know, alcohol to sort of escape and, and numb. But he said, talked about when he invited Jesus into his life, that that desire and that need, um, that the alcohol filled, all of a sudden he didn't need alcohol anymore because Jesus had filled that place. Jesus had filled that part in his life. And I love that because it's Jesus who truly satisfies us. It's Jesus who truly changes us and does a work in our hearts. And so that's why we can become so persistent for other people because God's moved in our lives and now all of a sudden we deeply desire Him to move in other people's lives. And I just get the feeling that these four men at their particular time in life, they'd seen the power of God. They'd experienced the power of God. Maybe they were on a totally different track and God had changed their life. And they had this buddy who was a paralytic and they said, whatever it takes, we've got to get this guy to Jesus because if we know if we get him to Jesus, everything's going to change. And so they were persistent and they wouldn't back down and they held on to see this man encounter the presence and the life of God today. And I believe, come on, thousands of years later, Jesus is still moving in our lives and he's looking for people who are persistent, who don't back down, who who don't give in easy, but have a strong backbone that can see the things that God desires come to pass. You know, I love in Luke, it talks about knocking, it talks about asking, and it talks about how to pray. And sometimes when it comes to the things of God, God is just looking for people who won't give up, who won't back down, who know how to lean in time and time and time again till they see the thing that they're believing for come to pass because He's that, that good. And God is a God who can keep His promises. You know, I saw um, just a movie, I think two years ago or something like that. Anyone like movies? Yeah, and it was the movie of the story of the guy, um, Winston Churchill. Do you know this guy? You know, and obviously when Nazi Germany was t- trying to take over the Western world, um, he was in this particular position where he was like, do we give in, do we surrender, or do we hold our ground? And uh, I just saw this guy, and I, I watched the movie, and I saw this persistence in his eyes that said, we will not back down. I will not back down um, to, to let the Nazis take over. And I want to say, Britain's not perfect. Hear my heart. But I want to show you a clip from the movie. Maybe you can catch that persistence. Can we do that? Yeah, awesome. I have thought very carefully in these last days whether it was part of my duty to consider entering into negotiations with with that man. But then I, uh, I spoke with them. Mm. Um, Oliver Wilson, Mrs. Jessie Sutton, 
Mrs. Abigail Walker, Marcus Peters, Morris Baker, Alice Simpson, and Miss Margaret Giroux. Brave, good, true citizens of this kingdom, and they argued strongly that it was idle to think if we tried to make peace now, we should get better terms than if we fought it out. The Germans, Mr. Baker felt, would demand, in the name of disarmament, our naval bases and much else, and I think he's right. Jesse Sutton, speaking for many, believes we would then become a, a slave state. There were British government, which would be Hitler's puppet. A government set up under, under Mosley or some such person. And I joined with them in asking a, a further question, a question I, I now put to you. Where should we be at the end of all that? Some might benefit. I mean, the powerful might be able to parlay good terms uh, preserved in their country redoubts out of sight of the, the, the swastika flying over, over Buckingham Palace, <laughs> over Windsor, and they're, they're draped on these ready buildings. Never! Never! So I come to you. I come to you to learn your minds in this grave hour. You see, it was pointed out to me by my new friends that, that you might even rise up and, and, and tear me down when I for one moment of contemplate parley or surrender. It appears to be your will also that if this long island story of ours is to end at last, then let it end only when each one of us lies choking in his own blood upon the ground. Thanks, Tim. It's a bit of persistence. Let me show you another guy. Catcher, can we put out that picture, please? This is a guy named Martin Coney, and he lived in the States, and he lived at a time where, uh, at that time, premature babies weren't valued. And so what would happen is they thought that there was something wrong with them, and so they wouldn't give them medical attention. And this guy called Martin, at sort of right at the end of the 1900s, heard about this, and he said, I've just got to do something about it. And he didn't have the funds, he didn't have the resources to do it. And so what he did is he had a theme park. And at this theme park, what he decided to do was he decided to set up a display where people could come and see the smallest humans in the world. And what he did is he paid, uh, paid professional nurses to come in and to care for these babies. And it sounds a bit out there and it sounds a bit weird, but through what Martin did, he was able to help develop the science and the health that we have today to look after premature babies. And uh, when other people were just like, just ignore them, just leave them, don't worry about it, he said, no. God loves these babies, and they're so valuable to Him. You know, two examples, not perfect examples, hear me right, far from perfect examples, but people 
who had the capacity to show a level of persistence. And, you know, when I look at our city, I just absolutely believe that God's desire is to see heaven come to earth. His desire is to see His kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, which has no pain, has no sickness, has no poverty, has no disease, come on, has, has no depression, has no anxiety, come on, has no fear, but is a place of peace, hope, freedom, joy, come to every single suburb in Cairns. Come on, to Palm Cove, to Edmonton, to Gordon Vale, to Trinity Park, to Trinity Beach, to see heaven come to earth. I want to tell you, doesn't it stir you up that Kansas is known for a, where, uh, as a place where domestic violence happens a lot in our city? Come on, is there any people who would be persistent enough to say, that's just not okay? That's just not good enough. You know, when you hear about sometimes the poverty and, and, and sometimes the, the social things that are happening, come on, I believe that God's got enough provision and God's wanting to bring people into a place of kingdom blessing that they have enough to live off and have enough to give away. Come on, is anyone's desire to see heaven come to earth and this persistence and this strength in this life? And I began to pray for us as a church and say, God, what areas are you wanting us just even right now to strengthen and, and to increase our level of persistence? And God gave me two areas. The first one is prayer. Prayer. To be persistent. Who knows that the devil gets nervous when the church prays? And I believe we need a city who can hear the roar of the prayers of a local church. Not timid prayers, not shy prayers, not weak prayers, but strong prayers who know the bigness and the power and the strength and the love and the goodness of our God. Oh, I want to tell you today, come on church, God is not tired. God is not worn out. He's not on His last legs. He's on His best legs. And He's ready to do a great work, come on, in your heart and in your life and in this city. Does anyone believe that today? And I want to encourage you as we lock in in prayer. Come on, God has got great things for us. Two weeks ago, we had our young adults camp. Love you, young adults. You rock. And it was such a fun camp. We worked all week. We went away on Friday night. We had a gentleman named Tim McDonald come. And the Friday night, I mean, the, our young adults, there was just so much passion and enthusiasm and hunger for God and fun there. Uh, so he spoke. God moved in after we played bocce balls. Anyone like bocce balls? And uh, so we played a good game of bocce balls on the carpet on the inside. And then uh, we talked and talked and talked and talked, and then we went to sleep. The next day we woke up, Tim spoke to us. It was great. And then I was so excited about Saturday because I love sports. Anyone else here loves sports? Man, I really like sports. And so we had Tim speak. Then after that, we played basketball, and I beat Riley McGregor. And then after that, we played volleyball. I beat Riley McGregor. <laughs> then we had lunch. Then we played volleyball again. I think Riley beat me. I'll give you one in there, Riley. And then we went swimming, and then we played volleyball, and then we had like a half an hour rest, and then we had dinner, and then it came to the night where Tim was going to speak again, and we were going to have singing. And as though I could see that our young adults were excited to be there, I could see that they were all just knackered. And everyone's like, we know this is good. We know we should be pumped right now. You. <laughs> <laughs> God, woo, yeah. And, uh, you know, I just looked all of our young adults in the eyes and I said, look, I know you're tired, but right now, can we just break through our tiredness, lift above our tiredness, and can we just crazy seek God tonight? And I want to encourage you, church, our young adults stepped up. 
And I'm so thankful for all of you. And, you know, everyone just began to pray. And then we began to worship. And I could feel the presence and the life of God there. You know, sometimes when it comes to prayer, sometimes you've got to be a bit persistent. Sometimes you feel like it. But I want to tell you, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you feel like it, sometimes you don't. But I want to tell you every time that you draw near to God, it's His desire to draw near to you. And in that prayer place, come on, is everything that you need to fulfill the purpose and the plan and step into the freedom that God has for your life. You know, when I think of prayer, this is how I think of it sometimes. I think about it when I'm at home in my PJs and one of my friends invites me to come and hang out. And you're like, I'm not dressed. I'm in my pajamas, I'm relaxed, and you want me to get dressed and drive all the way there and catch up with you. But who knows you like, you get, you know, have a shower, you drive all the way there, you know, you get out of like, hi, great to see you. But who knows on the drive home, you're like, I'm so glad I got out of bed. I'm so glad I got out of my PJs and I went and saw that person. The same thing with prayer. Sometimes you don't feel like it, but every time you're willing to just go, God, I'm throwing off tiredness. I'm throwing off doubt today. Come on, I'm throwing off every distraction that could come around my life. And I'm going to lean in when it comes to prayer. Who knows that God does something great. And I just feel that today, come on, God is wanting to strengthen in particular the men when it comes to prayer. Come on, I want to tell us today, men, we were made to pray. Whoa, we were made to pray today, man. And I want to tell you, just as you need your big toe, who knows that God designed you with a big toe? Who knows you've got hairs in your ears? Did you know without the hairs in your ears, you could not hear? So if you have lots of hair, maybe. And, uh, <laughs> but just in the way that God designed you with a big toe so you could walk, or just in the way that God designed you with hair in your ear, come on, God has designed you to be a person of prayer. And I want to encourage you, if you're someone who can pray, let the fire burn, let the fire grow, let it increase. Come on, let that stir within you even today, this afternoon, tomorrow morning. Let the fire for prayer grow. But maybe you're here today, and maybe you're an amateur prayer. And I've got great news for you because you were made by God to pray. And prayer is more caught than taught. And what you need to do is you need to get around some amazing people who can pray fiery, <laughs> You need to get around them and go, help me. Help me to get that prayer life around me. Help me to stir it up. Teach me how you pray. I'm so ecstatic. The third Thursday of this month, which is like one week, two weeks, two weeks away, I think it is. We're going to have a prayer meeting. And I'm believing, come on, I want to see every single person in this room at this coming prayer meeting. Pastor Alan, just over, over his time, he was stirring us that, come on, if we want our church, if we want people want to be everything that God's called us to be, it's a season to pray. It's a season to lean in. And I want to encourage you, Parents, mums and dads, uni students, young professionals, let's do absolutely everything we can do to be at the prayer meeting together. Because I want to tell you, the devil gets nervous when his church gets together and throws aside every distraction and commits themselves to prayer. Come on, the Bible says, ask and you will receive. Knock and the door shall be open to you. And I just believe we've got to ask bigger than we've ever asked before. We've got to knock stronger on bigger doors than we've ever knocked on before. Come on, to see God's grace and to see His goodness come in and around our lives in such an amazing and powerful way. Oh yeah, that was good for you. Just burp the person next to you. <laughs> Can you do that? Here we go, point number two. I just believe that God wants to encourage us to be persistent 
in speaking God's words of life over every part of our world and over every situation. You know, what I saw as I was praying for today is I saw a church standing together and declaring who God has called us to be as a church. That come on, God's called Freshwater Church, which is us, to be a place where people come and they get healed, to be a place where God moves, to be a place where we're not the tail of anything, but we're the head leading the charge, full of creativity, full of grace. And I just feel today that God's wanting to stir us to speak words of life and words of encouragement. You know, I've traveled a little bit in my days. And one thing that I've noticed about people from big cities is that often they have a can-do attitude. Isn't that right? You meet people in Melbourne, hey, Melissa, an hour and a half, I'll be there. (laughs) Catch the tram, the train, ride a bike, we'll make it work, I'll come meet you. Cans, 10 minutes. Don't you love Adelaide people? God bless all those Adelaideans. It's freezing half the year, which sounds really fun for us. But who knows people who come from a cold climate, you get a bit over it. All the jackets and rugs and cold drinks. And one thing I've discovered about Cairns folk, and it's a bit of a culture, and you can slip into it if you don't realize it, but Cairns people can be really good at complaining and talking negative that our common language is what's the worst thing that happened today or look how bad the weather is or, you know, look at that or, you know, and we we just complain and it's not because we really mean it. It's just because it's a good conversation. It's just a conversation starter. But I believe that God's called us as people to be the difference and that everywhere we go, we speak words of life that light up the atmosphere. That come on, when everyone's complaining about how muggy it is, we're like, oh yeah, I'll just have to eat more mangoes. Come on. <laughs> I'll just have to have more soy chai lattes on ice. Come on. They're, they're, I want to tell you, I'm not here for the weather. I'm not in Cairns for the weather. Is anyone else with me? I'm here because God's going to do something great in this city. I'm here because God's got a great plan for our lives here. I, I just love that. I, I believe. Come on, we're living in tropical paradise, somebody. Whoa, we're living in in one of the greatest wonders of the world, Cairns, far north Queensland. Whoa, where the sun's shining and the sweat is pouring. (laughs) But come on, I want to tell you out of all the places we could be living right now, Cairns is pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. And I want to encourage you today as church, come on, let's be persistent when it comes to prayer. Let's be persistent when it comes to speaking words of life. Come on over your children. You know, how did Jesus know his purpose? Because his parents were declaring it all the time. Jesus, you're going to save the world. Jesus, you're the savior of the world. An angel visited me, Jesus, and you're going to save the whole entire planet. You're put here for a reason, Jesus. Yeah, you can help me around the workshop for a while building tables, but there's something greater that God's going to do through you. And we need parents who can declare, come on, the purpose and the plans that God has over children. I want to tell you whether your child has uh, challenges or not, come on, God has a great plan for them. And if you will just see through, come on, see through what God is wanting to do in a powerful way.